0: Welcome back to the Football All the Time podcast hosted by me, DeAndre Gatson. I have the privilege of sitting with the head football coach over at Carthage College in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Appreciate you sitting down with me.
1: Thanks, DeAndre. Always uh, always good to be able to talk football yeah. in the
0: program, especially oh. here in the summer. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into that. I noticed you guys uh, had a golf outing recently. How did that go? We did. We did. We had a parent uh, alumni
1: golf outing uh, on Friday for our football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, raise a lot of money everyone uh, it's always good to see the alumni get back together and everyone had a lot of fun so it was a
0: successful outing okay that, that's a fundraising event for the program yep okay was yep. you should a sixty nine <laughs> <laughs> well we do play it as a scramble okay. format okay uh, and the, uh,
1: the winning team shot a sixty one this year they were uh, they were
0: pretty good okay so in this podcast I like to uh whether it's a, an actual player or a coach since you're in the the coaching profession, um, there's a thing I do called my top five on my Facebook page. I, I recently finished my top five positions from each NFL team. What i like to know from you, who are your top five coaches? If you were running things at AD or GM, your top five guys, whether influence or just guys you admire, who would you select?
1: My top five coaches, I think if you a look all the time, um, you have to go Vince Lombardi. Okay. I'm a Packers guy, you know. No uh, wrong with by that. Nature <laughs> got to go Vince Lombardi. Uh, you know, I think uh, Jimmy Johnson is unbelievable to win a college national championship and then a Super Bowl oh, yeah. uh, was impressive. Um, let's see, I think right now you got to talk Nick Saban. Sure. What he's been able to do, uh, I think in a couple of years, Devil Sweeney Sweeney's right there. <laughs> uh, I mean, I like I like him probably more than anybody just because he's so energetic and. He does it, you know, his way and he's not gonna follow in that traditional mold. Uh, so he's a lot. uh, or I like him a lot and man, fifth one.
0: I don't know if I can I can name a fifth one. Okay. Put me on the spot. (laughs) That's how we like to open up. I wanna say Dustin Hides, how about that? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) All right, if you wanna give the listeners just a program history about Carthage College. Yeah, so Carthage, uh, Carthage College actually started in Carthage, Illinois, okay.
1: and uh, and moved up here in the fifties. Started as an NAI school, uh, and, and had good success there. Transitioned uh, in the uh, in the eighties, I believe, uh, to be a Division three school, uh, but always has had a lot of success. Uh, we have eight uh, conference championships as a program. Traditionally, one of the top three, four schools uh, in football, athletic-wise, uh, we're very good as well. Um, as a, from an athletic department standpoint, uh, our teams compete on the national level a lot. And, and so it's program has been around for a long time. Uh, a lot yeah. of rich history. Um, yes, you know, so it's a it's a fun thing to be a part of. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So for yourself, high school, where did you grow up and? So I'm from Wisconsin originally. Uh, I graduated high school uh, from Oconto, uh, which is just north of Green Bay. Okay. Um, There's that I, Packer connection. Yep, <laughs> yep. Yeah, when you're from Wisconsin and you live up in Green Bay, it's hard not to be, yeah. be a Packers guy. Uh, graduated there in 2004. Uh, played college football at Indiana uh, University. Uh, got done playing there in December of 2008 and then have been coaching ever
0: since. Yeah, um, I did some homework on you, and um, like you said, you went to uh University of Indiana, IU. How, uh, if you want to touch on uh, Terry... Heppner. Hepner Yeah. Terry Heppner. Uh, what did he mean to your development as a person, and, and what is his legacy out there at IU? He was an awesome person.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was, he was one of those guys that was really early on in being the guy that was... He was always a positive coach. He was very energetic. I mean, you could see kind of Indiana uh, as a program when we got there the fan involvement the community involvement and when he was there the energy around the program sure. in the community on campus uh, was unbelievable and just kind of the type of person he was and he was someone that you always wanted to be around to follow and and uh, he did a lot of great things uh, you know for a lot of people throughout his coaching career and I was only fortunate enough to be with him for two years um, but he just kind of showed me the the way to be kind of that positive coach and it doesn't matter if the guys falling around you there's you can find that silver lining and make it uh make it what you want
0: i read a story there was a um i don't did he just correct me if i'm wrong good it was a rock that he found on campus Yeah. Is that something he started there a tradition he started in? it was yeah so he was driving into work one morning and
1: like all coaches he's up uh, way too early and he's coming in in the summer and he's driving in in the uh, stadium it's just starting to get light out okay you can see a stadium and he said it, it looked like a like a big old rock sure and he kind of uh related it to Alcatraz and his big thing was when teams come here they had to do hard time <laughs> at the rock Oh yeah. just like you were a prisoner in Alcatraz <laughs> doing hard time so uh that's how he started it and uh and they
0: still do it to this day is that <clears throat> your Indiana values, is that something you, uh, any traditions, or anything that you brought there that you've s- kind of cemented here at, at Carthage with your guys?
1: No, not really. I think uh, each school has their own traditions and most of them were started long before uh, long before we got there. So, uh, you know, I think you just try to keep with, uh, with the traditions that the schools had. And obviously everybody has their own twist on things and, and how you do things and that kind of stuff. But in terms of, you know, most
0: of the traditions and stuff. Unique to the place that you're at. Sure, sure. So, <clears throat> after IU, did you uh, transition to another job, or did you were you a grad assistant?
1: So when I got down playing, I was a grad. I uh, went right into coaching. Okay. Uh, so the last two years of uh, my career were with Bill Lynch. Uh, he was uh, he was a head coach the last two years. He was the offensive coordinator my first two. So sure. You know, there was already the relationship there. Talked to him, wanted to get into coaching. Um, you know he uh, he knew that's what I wanted to do, and I got down playing. He offered me a job as a
0: graduate assistant there, uh, and so for the next three years, I did that. And you played the quarterback position. How valuable was that? Seeing the seeing you see the whole field, you're you're breaking down film constantly as a quarterback. How did that help you transition into any of your any of your roles thereafter playing?
1: Well, that a uh, a big part of my development was being a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played for uh, Matt Canada. He was my offensive coordinator, quarterback, quarterbacks okay. coach. He's got a phenomenal offensive mind. So seeing the seeing the game from that helped. Uh, and then when Bill hired me, um, initially I thought I was going to be an offensive guy. You know, stay working with Matt, be an offensive GA. And he said we need help on defense. You were a quarterback. You know, you know the basic structure of defense sure. and and all that stuff. And uh, you know we need somebody to help coach in the secondary. And so that's why he did it. And his whole thing was you're going to be a coach. You got to be able to both sides of the ball, and so that was huge for
0: me in my development. Sure. So thereafter, IU was Worcester, the College of Worcester. College yeah. of Worcester. Okay. In Worcester, Ohio. All right. Where were you? uh <clears throat> DC. There. I was uh, just the DBs coach. Just the DBs yep. coach. Okay.
1: Yep. How was that? It was good. Um Went there. I got uh, the guy that was here before me, Mike Yager, the guy that hired me there, head okay. coach at Worcester, and he knew the head guy pretty well. He helped get me in. In over there, uh, and then worked for Coach Schmitz, uh, who was, man, he had a good career there. Okay. Um, he uh, won a couple conference titles there, um, was there know, maybe 10, 15 years maybe, and uh, as the head guy, I was there a little bit more as an assistant, and um, so it was great to be able to learn from a guy that had been doing it for a long time and had, had success, and so that was, I was there for for about nine months before uh Mike got this shop here in he's got got back
0: home sort of so to speak yeah a little um, bit back to the home <laughs> state anyway <laughs> Yeah. so college at Wooster was at division three as well yep division three okay and uh nine conference championships for that guy out there he'd won a couple he was I don't think he won nine not, not I'm he, sorry he that was, won a couple we have there, eight yeah. here I'm sorry yep. I misspoke a couple there so transitioning back to Wisconsin Getting here at Carthage, um, what I want—I guess what I want to segue to—is the um, the recruiting. How, what's what's your guys' approaches here like, at a at a D three D three school when it comes to recruiting? Is there a section of guys that you've already ruled out? Is there is there guys you identify? Okay, this is the tier guys we want. Like, obviously, you were coaching here when Melvin Gordon was at Bradford. I was at Indiana. You was Melvin at was okay. Bradford, yeah. You were at Indiana. Yeah. A guy of his caliber, would you? would you offer? Or do you kind of...
1: I mean, we would love to have a guy like Melvin scalper But it's pretty easy for us to see guys that are going to be mm-hmm. high-level Division I okay. guys versus guys that
0: will be, you know, more Division three type players. So it kind of... It's its not a science. You just... You know from your from your film, watching and your study.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're... It's like anything else. You're yeah. always wrong. You know, mm-hmm. that's why you see guys like Pierre Garçon or
0: Jake Kummerow that, yes. you know,
1: nobody offers. And now play in the NFL and have, have great careers. So there's always you know, always guys that end up, you know, developing late or whatever it is or you know, some guys grow late, some guys put on thirty pounds sure. and, you know, all of a sudden they have, you know, that elite level size or speed that, you know, the bigger schools didn't yeah, didn't see or yeah. didn't think they had and um, you know, but most of the time it's it's pretty easy to okay. to right. see guys that will recruit versus
0: the guys that Right, right, or white, or white water. <laughs> I know they they sneak in and, and get guys as well. They've got a pretty successful program there. So, I'm just curious, who are some? Who are some of Carthage's rivals? Who, who are some of the rivals in this conference that you guys uh, are in?
1: Yeah, um, I mean that uh, traditionally Augustana has been a big rival. Okay. Uh, for Carthage, uh, here as of late, we had some great battle with Illinois Wesleyan. Okay. Um, and I think the great thing about the CCIW is. Most of the kids that play in the CCIW are from a similar area, that Milwaukee land down to Chicago. Most of them grew up either playing with guys that they're now playing against or they played against in high school and now they're playing with. And so naturally just about every team in the CCIW is is pretty competitive. It feels like a rivalry just because all the guys know each other. They played with each other growing up or they played with each other in high school or they played against each other in high school. Uh, So they know a lot about guys on different teams and it gets pretty competitive
0: because of that. Sure, sure, sure. So, about <clears throat> that for a second. Um, there's been a big shift in game safety, how the game's played and how it's riffed. Uh, what's your approach to the game safety and the new rule change? Has that been a hard adjustment for, for your staff and yourself?
1: Not really. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can coach to anything, mm-hmm. you know, whatever rules are. I think, the, I think the hardest part and it's, it's easier now is just Guys have played the game a certain way for so long, and then all of a sudden they're a sophomore in college, and they're trying to. Well, this is different now. Yeah. Sometimes it takes those guys a little bit, a little bit longer to to react and be able to to change. But uh, you know, anything that's for the safety of the kids playing the game, I think is good. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's always more challenging that first year than it is after that because it's an adjustment.
0: Um, but yeah, anything that makes the game safer, I think, is a positive thing. Is there <clears throat> excuse me? Is there a rules committee uh, that you that you attend at all, or a safety committee? So there is a rules committee, uh, and then like I just got the 2019
1: rule book in, and they highlight the changes and things okay. that were made and stuff like that. And we uh, every year for our scrimmage, we bring in uh, a referee crew uh, that will go over the rule changes and the points of emphasis and the things that they're looking for, mm-hmm. why they call what they call and. Thing, just to clarify for our guys and our staff.
0: So, is there a, <clears throat> a concern with parents on the recruiting trail with the um, with the news of concussions, head trauma, is There ever too much of a concern with parents, or not
1: really from the injury standpoint? Okay. Uh, you know, they at this point going into college, they understand that inherently there's a risk. Sure. Uh, you know, just like anything else, um, but but there's hasn't. We haven't run into a whole lot of cases where they're overly right. concerned about that.
0: Sure. Speaking of the parents, how how important is it to build a relationship not only with that kid but with that parent during that recruiting process? Oh, it's huge. Uh, you know, you're you're they're or they
1: the parents are sending their kid to you. Mm-hmm. You know, first time in their life, they're shipping them off, and they've got to feel that they can trust you, and that your morals and values and ideals align with what they believe, and and so it's a big
0: part of it. I I talked to uh, Jerry McGranahan over at uh, Kenosha Trempert about this topic that I'm heading to next, the running back position. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you feel it's becoming devalued, and how important is the running back back position in your offense?
1: I don't think it's become devalued. I think they just are used differently.
0: Okay, explain.
1: You look 15, 20 years ago, how many running backs were catching 60, 70, 80 balls, Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you didn't have many. anymore. Now, that's how they get a lot of their touches. You know, you see guys in the NFL that are 80-catch running backs, Mm -hmm. you know, so they might not carry it as much, but they still touch the ball, uh, you know, a bunch. You're still looking for guys that can do a lot of things, that can run between the tackles, that can get outside, that can catch, that can pick up blitzers and block. Uh, So I I wouldn't say it's devalued. Uh, I just think what they do is a little bit different than, you know, 20 years ago, when it was we're
0: gonna run a gap power and sure. you know, be big and tough, and you know, so I don't think it's deep out I think it's just different. With with guys knowing uh, <clears> the, <throat> and we could speak to a uh, a higher level division. got guys that are talented in that position, if they know, at some point it gets funny with with finances with money. If a guy makes it that far, um, do you think it's fair for him to scale it back in college with the touches at the running back position?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a good question. You kind of see some of that stuff with guys that sit up bowl games, and, sure, and stuff, or get hurt, and don't come back, like Posa did. Yeah, uh, whatever. I uh, I think I don't know. For me, I think it's hard to be a true competitor and and do that. Mm-hmm. You know, where football being the team game that it is, yes, that's, that's, I'm not going to help my team out. Uh, but I also kind of understand the business side of it and mm-hmm. understand that. A lot of money at stake. Sure, uh, you know. So, fortunately, we don't have to deal with that uh, okay. a whole lot, um, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but yeah, I uh, I think that it would be hard to sit out and and be a competitor and watch my team compete, and not be able to help them out.
0: Yeah, obviously, you're on both ends. So you know, you were once the player in school, and now you're the coach. So you can you can see it from. The player perspective and the coach's perspective with the running back. Uh, like, I'm from Wisconsin as well, grew up in the heart of Big Ten country watching uh, Ron Dane, Anthony Thomas, Brian Calhoun. And it's just it's just weird seeing that. I'll, I'll go with what you said. They're used differently. You know, it's just not hand it off and watch them go hard like Emmett Smith would. So, uh, yeah, I just want to t- get your opinion on that because I just see see the game changing in, in so many ways. And um, another change is this wide open style of offense that we were growing accustomed to. Now it's reached the NFL. Um, is is your philosophy spread out, or are you a pro set kind of guy? Spread it out. Space no, is opportunity. Okay. That's what you guys' motto is. Um, how successful has that been for you, it, putting that offense out there?
1: that has been good. Uh, you know, we run a spread RPO, mm-hmm.
0: and
1: it's a I call modern-day option football. Okay. Uh, you know, you're you're making a guy make a decision, and he can't be right. Uh, you know, so, but it's like everything you do. I mean, we believe in our offense, we love it, uh, you know, but it's all about execution. It doesn't matter if you're running the wing T or the triple option or a spread, uh, you have to execute what you do. And if you execute, you can probably make a claim for every single offense out there to be pretty good.
0: Is it a sophisticated offense? Have you, is it a tough transition for some of the kids uh, that come up? You
1: know what? Not really. Most of it is, is verbiage, okay. you know, things are called differently than what it was in high school, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Some of the techniques are probably different than than what kids learned in in high school. Uh, There's definitely a lot more to it, um, you know, than a high school offense Mm -hmm. in in terms of tags and and things that we can do. Uh, So the volume is probably a little greater, but it's not super difficult to learn.
0: Okay. Trusting the staff. You guys are good. Know what you're doing, obviously. So I I was doing some reading on the website. I know this was months ago, but could you talk about the coaching clinic you guys held and... uh, How successful was that, and what does that mean? Uh, And another question is, uh, how important is it for coaches to get out to those clinics? I think they're awesome. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I think it's great to share ideas with with people Mm -hmm. and and talk football and learn, especially you know in the winter or spring or summer where you don't have a ton of actual football going on. Uh, I think it's great to get out and and do that. I think it's great to meet people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you never know where your next job is going to come from. And, and that's how it works in this business. It's all about who you know. And, and uh, you never know what, uh, where some guy's going to be next. And, you know, he's looking for a guy. And yeah. he remembers that you fit what he's looking for. Oh, yeah. Gives you an opportunity to interview or whatever it is. But uh, I think they're great.
0: It's a copycat game. You know, once things are successful, a lot of coaches – pick from different programs, or even in the NFL, you see a lot of copycat going on. At a coach's clinic, do you scale back on what you discuss with your peers at all? Uh, <laughs> I'm just curious.
1: <laughs> it all depends. Um, some guys do. You know, okay. Some guys are, they know that there's other coaches there that they coach against, or know mm-hmm. guys they coach against, and they probably don't go into full detail. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for us, it's we, do, we talk about everything that we do. Okay. You know, it's again, it comes down to that execution and and your ability to teach it and that kind of stuff. And sure. so, I guess I'm personally not as paranoid as a lot of people out there are. But there's a lot of people that won't go into depth <laughs> for
0: fear of somebody's going to know what's coming and use it to beat them or you know, sure. things like that. So that coaches clinic was held here on campus. Mm-hmm. Do you guys host those annually? Yep. Okay. Yep. Every spring. And is it? Um, you choose different coaches each year, or is it the same group that comes up you guys? To speak? Yeah. We usually speak. ask different guys. Different guys. Year. Okay. You know, sure. Are players allowed, or is this NCA doesn't allow, if they wanted to sit in? And I would have no problem okay. if they wanted to sit in and, okay. and learn. I, I didn't I didn't know if you guys would invite some of the players up to just sit and listen to another coach's philosophy or anything. Like yeah, that. No, I mean, I'd have no problem. Okay. We didn't directly invite them, but I'd have no problem if sure. they wanted to. Sure, sure. So, also right on the website, this, uh, listeners, this program is really doing some great things the last couple of years. Um, Amani Dennis got invited to the Cleveland Browns minicamp. If you want to just speak on what type of player he was for this program and, you know, let the listeners know why uh, an organiza- NFL organization would come to the D3 level for that guy. Yeah, is a great kid. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: he worked really hard, um, bought in, was all football all the time took care of his body, I mean, he was a kid that ate the right things, mm-hmm. got enough sleep, worked out hard when the time came, and um, was a very gifted athlete. Okay. Uh, you know, he was, in the, in the spring, there were some NFL teams before senior year that came in and, and timed him, and he, you know, ran in the low four or fives, mm-hmm. and he's not a tiny kid and has, uh, has good athletic ability, so when he had a couple good years, sophomore, junior, senior years on tape. Was all league player the last two, uh, two years I think. People notice that, and, yeah. and uh, when you can put up those kind of numbers, you know, in the in the gym, in the combine setting, yeah, uh, they're going to give you a look and give you a chance.
0: Any recruits out there that are you know, thinking about Carthage? Guys are getting NFL looks. This is probably a program you might want to want to consider. With that, and. Tying recruitment into that, is that a recruiting tool, you know, to mention a guy like that when you're on the trail?
1: I mean, I don't think it ever hurts. Right. Uh, I think most of our guys at this level kind of understand that the NFL is probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think more than anything, it just kind of speaks to the competitiveness of our league. Yes. Uh, you know, we had, I think, four or five guys from our league sign or get signed mm-hmm. to uh, NFL contracts. Okay. You know, um, that doesn't happen a lot of Division three. So I think really what it does is it shows recruits that hey these guys here they play good football and and more than anything they understand they're probably not going to the NFL but when you're a competitor I think you wanna play good high level football and that's what I really does.
0: Yeah, it sounds like getting a foot in the door is all you really need with uh with this kid. Um, is he still around the program, or is he still trying not for other NFL squads?
1: So he had uh, he had a couple CFL tryouts as well. Okay. He's kind of sitting and waiting. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I talked to him the other day. And with, with training camp starting, uh, I think he's kind of on a couple short lists. If, if some guys were to to go down and get hurt, I think he's a guy that they could bring in to get some looks. And, yeah. and he's gonna see where it uh, see where it goes. I know we had the arena league. Uh, call about him um, about a week ago now as well. Yes. So he'll have the opportunity to play somewhere to keep
0: going. Awesome. Awesome. So for yourself, is it like a proud dad moment almost though? When you see a guy putting that much hard work and he's right there on the cusp of joining at the highest level of uh, American football. How does that feel as a coach? Yeah, it's awesome.
1: You know, but you feel that way about everybody. You know, it's like... That sure. was that was his dream, and mm-hmm. other kids had different dreams. Just to see kids come in as freshmen, mm-hmm. watch them mature, watch them develop, watch them grow into men, and then achieve what they set out to do is is awesome.
0: Yeah, it sounds like, so. It sounds like hey, that guy comes an engineer or a doctor. Hey, no matter what, I'm proud of him. Just doesn't have to be the NFL. I think that I think that's awesome because I hear a lot of coaches around the country and they. they they pump that stuff up so much and brag on that kind of stuff. And it's like college really isn't meant for the next level. You're a student athlete. And it sounds like, uh, what I'm gauging is that's what you prefer, (laughs) you know? And if they live out their dream,
1: I would love to coach, you know, 125 NFL athletes every year. Right. Um, it just doesn't work out like that. No. Uh, You know, and, and, um, it's awesome to just see guys
0: achieve their dreams, whatever it is, hmm. and we get to do that every year. Every year. Um, is there any cool things on the horizon for the Carthage football program, fundraising events? I know you have the golf outing, but is there anything uh, we can be expecting? Uh, you know
1: what? Not, uh, not a whole lot of cool events coming up okay. here outside of the actual football stuff. Okay. So we're getting ready for them to report to camp, and, and then we get to grind it out for three weeks in fall camp, and... And, uh, play the season, so our excitement is practicing and playing here. Up there.
0: Oh, yeah, everybody's getting there. NFL training camps are open, you guys are in summer camp somewhere for college. Um, so, there's always last season. Uh, <clears throat> could you just take us through last season I and mean, what can you guys do to improve on that and your expectations for the upcoming year?
1: Yeah, so uh, last season uh, we struggled a little bit, went four and six. Mm. Um, big reason for that, our three year senior starting quarterback. Uh, we lost him for the year,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, early on, uh, and we were young at that position. Had two guys that uh, Colton Klein and Billy Dirty that played for us. Um, they were a little bit inexperienced, and it showed at times. And I think going into this year, it's huge that both of those guys played a lot of football for us. Sure. Uh, I think especially at the quarterback position, the game slows. there's going to slow down a lot more for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in their second year playing. You know, so hopefully for us, it was a little bit of a blessing in disguise, and and they were able to get some big game reps that'll yeah. translate into wins this fall.
0: Is that a uh, so that's a ongoing battle right now? Nothing's in stone for a starter.
1: Yeah, they they battle along with uh, Jalen Dennis uh, in the spring. So that's Imani's little brother. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so you have got a good, uh, good three-way battle going right now, and
0: we'll go on through camp uh, mm-hmm. until somebody emerges as a clear-cut favorite. All right. With, with the quarterback position obviously the most important position in football, at least in my opinion. Uh, are you comfortable having a battle right now in camp, or do you, or as a coach, a head coach, are you kind of on the, you're comfortable with just having a clear-cut guy heading into the season?
1: Uh, you know what? I'm not uncomfortable either way. Okay. Um, you know, I have no problem with the competition. Uh, I have no problem with any of those three guys playing. Uh, they're all extremely hard workers. They're all great leaders. Um, they all bring a lot to the table, uh, football-wise. Uh, you know, so whichever one kind of emerges, I don't have a problem with that. Sure. I, I don't have a problem if it's a situation where multiple guys will play. Uh, you know, whatever gives us the best opportunity to win.
0: All right. All right. Sure. So, I'll touch on your stab just a little bit here. Uh, defensively, um, you want to just uh, let us know who runs the defense and, and what is the defensive philosophy here at Carthage.
1: Yeah, so our defensive philosophy is is to be aggressive, mm-hmm. create turnovers, Good. limit scoring. Okay. Just like about everybody else. Yeah. Um, we have uh, Mike Mulan as our defensive coordinator, and mm-hmm. Dubas Pate is our D C. Okay. Um, so those guys kind of. Handle most of it, mm-hmm. I should say all of it now. <laughs> uh, and then um, you know, we have Lane Lawson, coaches our linebackers. Sure. Uh, and then uh, John Rodebeck is, uh, is our defensive GA. Okay.
0: Uh, so he's uh, kind of the guy that gets all the little problems solved for us. Sure. Young staff, veteran staff. Yeah. On that side of the ball. Veteran in terms of guys have coached a lot. Uh, oh, a lot. Okay. But we're pretty all pretty young. Nice. So we're all
1: in our early to mid thirties. Nice. So So we're all fairly young. There you go. 34, 43 style defense you're running? Uh, We're multiple. Multiple. Uh, So we have the same personnel. And we got a couple guys that are pretty athletic and and pretty tough. So a lot of times I'll have their hand in the dirt and four down front. Sometimes
0: that same guy will stand up and and, uh, be a a linebacker. So you mentioned – co-defensive coordinators for the listeners out there who kinda of like confused or never heard the term, how does that work with co-defensive coordinators or co-coordinators? Yeah, so think?
1: typically in a co-coordinator situation, uh, you know, you've got two guys that are at the level where they have the experience to be coordinators and each brings something a little different to the table and you know for us Mike calls it. Um, you know, but there's two voices in there that kinda of runs a checks and balances system They're, they're good coaches. They both have great ideas. It's a way to, uh, you know, kind of make sure
0: both of them have a voice. Yeah. Offensively, are you calling the plays? And you have your guy coordinator? Nope. We have uh, uh, R.J. Chittister. Okay. Uh, is our play caller our offense coordinator? And you kind of like hands off. You got you just CEO. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yep. Nice. So I.U. Um, <clears throat> they're a program that's not a. A world being in the big ten obviously struggle a bit um, do you get back out there at all what is your what are, not a lot not,
1: uh, you know being a football coach it kind of limits my time uh-huh. in the fall yeah um, you know but uh, I would if I could it's, uh-huh. uh, it's a phenomenal any big Ten school is phenomenal yeah. atmosphere uh, great a weekends, education there's no doubt but yeah. weekends in the fall in the Midwest there's no uh, no better place to be
0: oh uh, just your opinion Um where do you think Indiana has to? What do you, what do you think Indiana has to do to get there? With the uh, Wisconsin's and the Michigans and Michigan State's, Ohio State's over? There.
1: Yeah, uh, you know I think there's, they've they've done a lot. You know they were when I got there very behind the times facility wise. Mm-hmm. You know since then they've closed off both end zones. You know they've got a brand new twenty five thousand square foot weight room. They turfed a practice field. Uh, you know I think. The facilities uh, were a big step. A lot of that starts turning
0: into better recruits. Mm-hmm. And when you get better players, you become a better football team. Oh, wow. Was it, was it tough knowing you were going to a basketball school when making that choice? Not really. Okay. Yeah, not really. It was Big Ten football. and Right. You're going to yeah. play good opponents good yeah. competition. Was that – is that a – I don't know, do you think that size recruits away because nationally they're known for basketball?
1: It could mm-hmm. in certain situations. Uh, you never know. I mean, every kid's different. They're going to make a decision based on different different things. And so some could say, yeah, I don't want to play there because it's, you know, considered a basketball school. Yeah. But most guys
0: will, will see the opportunity to play big time football, get a great education and a great place, so. Getting back, getting back here in the state, uh, I was just looking at some small school guys you mentioned earlier. Jay Kumerow at Whitewater. Um, he's a little older now. What is he, creeping thirty? I,
1: I, I don't know if he's that old. I think he's he's been
0: out for three, maybe four years. Now. Four years. So he's with the Green Bay Packers, playing receiver right now. And I just want to touch on another guy, Dan Arnold, Platteville. He's uh he's with the Saints, cool. Saints right now. Um, and we were talking earlier about small school guys do NFL scouts care about that the, the level they do they do care yeah, yeah. why because it seems <laughs> <it's> Adam Thielen <laughs> is probably the best guy in the NFL at right receiver He'd go to Mankato State I believe Division 2 why do they put so much emphasis on the big school guy competition level okay
1: um, you know it's it's a little bit different size and speed, you know. At the division one level, things happen faster, uh, you know. So, for a guy that has, you know, excelled at Wisconsin for three years, the translation for him excelling in the NFL, mm-hmm. you can probably visualize that happening more than you know, say a guy at Carthage that, yeah, sure, he excelled at Carthage, but you can say, well, he didn't, he's not going against Ohio State, he's not going against. You can yeah. not playing that level of competition, so a lot of times they say they see it harder. The translation of success, NFL being harder because yeah. of that. And I think when you're investing a lot of money, you're uh, you're gonna go with the odds that are are gonna help you uh, get the most out of your investment, yeah. and not so much on the longer shots.
0: I guess I just like seeing the Underdog make it, man. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. cool. It, they they're cool stories, man. It's like you know when drafts are coming out, mock drafts, you get a list of these guys and. Probably 15 will go on to be all-pro, perennial Pro Bowler, and the rest will wash out. And then you'll get the Adam Thielen that rises to right. the top. I, I just, I just think it's amazing. And I'm, I'm in awe of coaches like yourself or any coach at this level who gets the best out of these kids and at some point get one or two to break through. Yeah. I, I think it's a
1: compliment to you. At the end of the day, it's about timing and mm-hmm. having that, the kid that's got the skill set that just naturally gifted enough and Sure works hard and and finds the right situation Uh, you know and in in that case you get your Adam feelings and
0: and your guys that make it sure alright coach well it's been a pleasure sitting down with you I just want to leave you with this though if you want to let our listeners know when do you guys kick off your official season
1: so our players report on the 13th of August Mm -hmm. and uh, we start our season on September 7th against Oshkosh
0: Oshkosh so UW Oshkosh up in Oshkosh when do you guys have your home opener September 21st against Carroll College. You want to make any predictions for game one? Or? <laughs> we're going to go out, we're going to compete, <laughs> we're going to play our tails
1: off and let the chips fall in. And
0: Coaches speak, right? Well yeah. I'll say this, Carthage is going to win. I'll make a prediction, 23-17. <laughs> hey, I would like that. I would like that. Hey, it was a pleasure, Coach. Thanks for the opportunity of sitting down with me. No problem. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. That was Carthage College head coach Dustin Haas. My second guest, second on a football all the time podcast. Uh, Continue to listen on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as Anchor. It's been me, DeAndre Gatson, with another episode. Thanks for listening.